Welcome to our weekly Church on the Rock podcast. For more information, visit us at churchak.org, download our Church on the Rock AK app, or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. Well, how you doing? You made it out? Good job. Well done. Um, My mom was routinely sending me pictures. They were going to come to the one o'clock service, which it's a good thing you didn't. It was packed. And then the three o'clock service was packed, just like the snow berms in your driveways. Um, Like, she kept sending me pictures. She looked like she had frostbite. My dad was crying. She's like, aren't you going to come help? What kind of son are you? It was just a lot of guilt. But I'm here for you. I didn't leave this building. I just want you to know that. Um, they made it to this service. So there they are. Uh, man, um, it's been a crazy couple of days. It's kind of how the year started, right? And here we are again. Um, we thought that last year was like, somebody titled it a Hurricane Betty White or something. Um, like, it was nasty. And then, so, I, so, you know, I lost all of my little fabric, shelter logic shelters. They all disappeared last year. Um, some of them are in Canada, I heard. But, um, so I bought new ones to put my stuff in. That's all outside now, also. Um, so there's that, but whatever. Um, I figure um, if it was easy, everybody would live here. So, it's just us, for now. Um, If you know uh, anything over um, December, on the Sundays in December, I wear my favorite Christmas sweaters. Um, I had several choices uh, for tonight, but I actually went with this one instead, Um, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. Uh, This is a sweatshirt that somebody got for me a couple of years ago, um, but somebody had asked me in one of the earlier services, like, you didn't, didn't look very Christmassy for Christmas Eve services, and I said, well, it's because I had missed the Black Friday celebrations, and so I was going to dress up for it. Uh, yeah, um, I didn't tell my mom in advance, uh, because, you know, but I was proud of Jonas. Jonas, well done, wearing a button-up shirt. I know your mom was watching this service down in Tennessee, and uh, he bought that with his own money, Mom, um, so... <laughs> Anyways, a few um, years ago, somebody gave me this shirt. I've got a picture of what it says on it, since you obviously probably can't read it from where you're at. And that's how I saved the world. (laughs) Because in reality, what tonight represents, while this isn't the actual night or all of those meaningless debates, what we actually celebrate tonight, the birth of Jesus He is the actual savior of the world, and it didn't begin at the cross, it began at the manger. In fact, I was thinking about it, what's different between Jesus and all of the other superhero origin stories is that they began as infants, and they grew into the superheroes they are in whatever way, shape, and form that happened, but Jesus didn't start as an infant, he started as a king of kings. He started as the sovereign God of all the universe and deliberately laid that aside 
in order to come and be the Savior of the world. Three out of four of the Gospels tell the story of the birth of Jesus. It's called the Nativity Story. That's why the sets you have are called Nativity Sets, or the first Noel, the first birthday, Jesus, the birth of the Messiah. And in four of the Gospels, the story is told. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four Gospels that tell the narrative of Jesus' life, but John is the only one who doesn't actually tell a nativity story, or at least not a traditional nativity story. And to be honest, John is the one person I would actually want to hear the story from the most. And here's the reason. John has this unique and special relationship with Jesus. And in the gospel of John, he's sort of self-identified, however strange that seems, as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And and. There's this relationship between the two of them that is something unique and special all the way up to the moment of his, uh, Jesus' death on the cross. And as he's hanging on the cross, he looks out at the people who are gathered there, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, is there, and John, the disciple of Jesus, is there. And Jesus says to John, John, behold your mother. And says to Mary, mother, behold your son. He tasks John with caring for his mother. And church history tells us that Mary lived with John in Ephesus up until her death. Here's why I bring all that up. If anybody could get all the right information about the nativity, John had access to Mary that no one else had. He could have just asked her all of the details. He could have gotten the best story. Is that really what happened with the angels? Is that what the shepherds said when they showed up? Is this what happened when you got into town? Like he could have gotten all the details from Mary. And But the fact that he doesn't write a nativity, or at least not a traditional nativity, tells us a couple of things. And the first one is that he's the last one to author his book. And he believes that the details and the facts covered in the other stories are sufficient. They got it right. There's nothing I need to correct or add to it. They've told you the physical details about the birth of Jesus, the relationship between Mary and Joseph, the shepherds, the angels, the magi. All of that is correct. I don't need to write anything else about it. But the second thing that it tells us is that John actually believes there's something else that's happening that night that he does want to write about. Because he doesn't write a physical nativity, but he writes a very spiritual and philosophical nativity. He tells the story of light and life and logic being born into the world. In fact, uh, the shortest day of the year has just passed, December the 21st. Merry Christmas. Um, Yeah, now buckle up because you're going to be just absolutely delighted at this. At this point, from December 21st till now, we have gained a half an hour of daylight already. Yes, we're moving in the right direction. Finally, it's not long now at all before we'll be out mowing our yards at 1130 at night. All the good stuff is coming. One of the things I love about this time of year is that once that tide turns, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks, what anyone wants to do about it. Once the light starts dawning earlier and earlier, ain't nothing going to stop it from coming. Like, we're moving in the right direction. In fact, when John tells his nativity, it actually has a lot to do with light coming into the world. Because light dispels darkness. 
And he's going to use a word that's actually been around for quite a while by the time that Jesus comes on the scene. And it's a word um, that is logos. It's a Greek word. It's a philosophical term for um, logic, reason, rationality. In fact, I think our Bibles have a fairly poor translation of it because if you don't know the backstory, it just says, in the beginning was the word. But that word is Logos. It's actually a word that was used by people like Aristotle some 325 years before the birth of Jesus. And he would use it as his modes of argument or means of debate. There were three primary ways to engage in a debate. And the first one was logos or logic, rationality, like whose argument makes the most sense of the world we find ourselves in, ethos, ethics or morality, and pathos, passion or desire, when those three things come together in a debate, you've got a strong argument that you're building. But this word logos finds its way all the way up into the days of Jesus. In fact, a Jewish philosopher named Philo actually spends a fair amount of time describing what this word means. And he uses the Old Testament and the God of the Old Testament as an example of what logos actually is that that God is what makes sense of the world we find ourselves in. That if you were to take the narrative from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the way through the Old Testament, because he was Jewish, and he says that God is the thing that makes sense of the world that we find ourselves in. He is the logos, or the logic, or the rationality. And then you come into Jesus' day, and John will deliberately choose this word to tell his nativity. But he doesn't start at the birth. He actually starts before the birth. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, the word, or the logos, already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word, or the Logos, gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. Here's what he's really doing. He's saying, hey, listen, keep doing your thing, philosophers. Keep gathering up on Mars Hill and having your conversations, but I'm telling you, the thing that makes sense of everything that you see is Jesus. And Jesus actually existed before the world came into existence. He was already with God. He was God. Everything that was made was made through him. This is who Jesus is before he's a baby in a manger. He existed long before any of that. And John is addressing the question that everyone in his day and our day wrestles with. Where did it all begin? Where is it all going? And what happens when it all ends? Which brings me to heroes and villains. Sort of an interesting thought. Is Batman a good guy or a bad guy? Man. My daughter, bad guy. It, let me ask a question. I guess it depends on who you are, how you would perceive Batman, right? Like if you're the Joker... Is Batman a good guy for you or a bad guy? <laughs> now, listen, my kids have seen, Kitri let them watch it, the Lego Batman, 
movie, um, and I, they work overtime in there to convince you that they're actually really, really best friends in all the world, but they are not. They're mortal enemies, but here's the reality. It depends on who you are as to whether you think Batman's a good guy or a bad guy, and if you're the Joker, he's your enemy. And, and here's why I bring that up, partly because I have this hoodie on, but the other reason is there's, there's some things you need to understand about Jesus and what we celebrate tonight and tomorrow and in this season. Jesus did not come to bring peace to us. He actually came to bring us to peace. And there's a difference between those two things. We live in a world that spends much time talking about how important peace on earth is, and yet the truth of the matter from Jesus' own words is that you cannot have peace apart from his presence. We want peace without the prince of peace. And Jesus is very clear that I came into the world as the prince of peace. And every place that you will yield to my rule and reign will be a place where peace rules and reigns. In fact, he came as the prince of peace and where he's permitted to reign, peace will reign. But wherever the prince of peace is not permitted, then destruction and chaos will rule and reign. Peace, at best, will be temporary without the presence of Jesus. And we live in a world that longs for peace but rejects the presence of Jesus. And Jesus says you don't actually get one without the other. The invitation to the Prince of Peace to come in is an invitation for peace to come in to my life. And I love this because in John chapter 1, verse 5, John is going to make a really bold statement about light, about Christ coming into the world. And he says this, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. As some translations say, um, and the darkness cannot overcome it. In other words, once it's lit, there's nothing you can do about it. Once that tide begins to turn and the light begins to dawn on humanity, try though you may, you cannot turn that tide back. That Jesus has come into the world and there is nothing that the world can do about the reality that light has come into the world. And he's actually inviting you and I to step into the illumination that is Jesus. What he's really saying is you can reject the Prince of Peace, but you can't overcome him. In fact, his goal, Jesus' goal, was never peace in his absence. It was always peace through his presence. Here's the second thing that's really important to understand is that Jesus was not forced to rescue you and I. And you and I aren't forced to be rescued by him. It matters because I've heard a lot of talk over the past few years when it comes to the crucifixion. Right now we're at the manger, but the day of the crucifixion is actually coming. And I've heard lots of talk about what kind of God would kill his own son. That God would reject his own son, that he would send his own son to die. And what you have to know is that this same baby born in the manger and that same man who will die on the cross was sovereign God of all the universe before the creation of the world ever happened. And he voluntarily came to our rescue and our aid. 
In fact, Jesus couldn't be more clear about this. I imagine it's sort of like um, Pastor Pete in the video earlier where he's like, put me in, coach. Like Jesus is like, God's like, who will go for us? And Jesus says, I'll go, put me in. I'll become the redeemer of the world. I'll be the one who rescues them. And just to reiterate this point, when he's standing before Pontius Pilate, the guy who has earthly authority to crucify him, this is what Jesus says to him. Oh, you can't take my life from me. I'm sorry, you must have been totally mistaken about that whole thing. Because like, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. Jesus voluntarily, of his own volition, said yes to the whole mission. To come to our rescue and to our aid. Several years ago, and just to be really clear, it was a lot of years ago. I was rescued by the Coast Guard. It wasn't my fault. I just want to be clear about that also. And technically, I wasn't lost. I could see the lights of Homer. I just couldn't get back there. And a storm had come in, and I had fallen through the ice, and I was soaking wet, and it was 15 degrees out, and it was a horrific night, to say the least. But I'll never forget the Coast Guard chopper flying in multiple times throughout the evening. They had taken off both from Kodiak and then from up here in the valley and a whole series of events that got the Coast Guard involved. They found the other six guys in our party, rescued them and took them to the hospital, but I was all by myself. And um, I had given my backpack with my cold weather gear, my food, fire starting material, my repelling gear, everything. I'd given it to the other group and taken off ahead of them to go and let the boat know we weren't going to make it back in time. Needless to say, I was out there in the middle of the night in really dire circumstances. I'll never forget the chopper flying through this little valley. Humpy Creek was the name of the creek they were flying up and down looking for me because the guys had followed my tracks right to the edge of a cliff that I had fallen off of and went down through the ice. And so they said, this is the last place we saw his tracks. They were flying with that huge spotlight. I mean, it's just like, boom. It seems like it's lighting the entire peninsula up. And they would shine that thing right over me so many times. I'd just like wave my arms. I'd shake the alder trees, doing everything I could to get their attention. Never saw me. The next morning, as I was just getting enough light that I could see to get down off of the cliff I had gotten myself up on, as I began to make my way off of that cliff and then down through the flats headed out to the beach, I had just about rescued myself when they flew back over and spotted me this time. And this was when all the beetle kill was across the bay. And so that beetle kill breaks off about 25 feet up is where the trees break. They're widow makers. I mean, like, you have no idea they're coming down until they hit you. And as that chopper came over top of me, the amount of force coming down from the wind, I was thinking, this is it. I made it through the night and I'm going to die underneath the helicopter right now. I was so angry that they hadn't seen me during the night. Now they're here to rescue me, and they're dropping the basket down that I just thought about, like, no, I'm just going to keep walking. You just take your basket and go home. I'm almost to the beach. I can get home now. Like, but I've thought about this several times. They didn't have to be there. They volunteered. They signed up to be part of a rescue operation. They signed up to serve, and I didn't have to get in the basket but I chose to because the reality was I needed rescue. And the truth is this, that Jesus was not forced to rescue you. He chose of his own volition, but you will also not be forced to be rescued. You get to decide that. It's just that the basket's been lowered and you've been invited to be redeemed. 
In fact, Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5 say it this way, but when the fullness of time had come, that's a way of saying at just the right moment, at the perfect time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters of God. He was not forced to rescue, and we will not be forced to accept rescue. I love the way that John goes on to describe it. In John chapter 1, verse 9, he says this, The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. That's what tonight represents. I think about how excited our kids get about the guy who wears this hat coming. It was actually my daughter's hat, but the guy wears a hat like this. Like, how excited we get. But if we were to approach every Christmas in this way, this is what John's doing. He's like, he's coming, he's coming, better get ready. He actually knows if you've been naughty or nice. <laughs> like, he's watching in a non-creeper type way. Like, he knows everything about you and I. The light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. You want a gift? Like that's the gift that keeps on giving forever. And that's what we celebrate. And John 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, it says this, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. And this is where John's nativity reaches its crescendo. It reaches the apex, the moment where he's describing where Jesus has been since before the creation of the world, his authority and majesty and power and might, that he is the thing that makes sense of everything, that this same Jesus is coming into our world, that the light has dawned on us, that the source of life, the creator of everything, the one that makes sense of it all, came to our rescue. He showed up on our scene ready to deliver. And so John 1, verse 14, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So my prayer for us this season is may we discover this Christmas that life is found in Jesus. May we allow the light of the world to illuminate our path. May we know that the Prince of Peace longs to be present in our situations and that the Savior of the world is sufficient for everything we face. And may it dawn on you and I, fresh and new, that Jesus truly is the reason for the season. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts and to discover how you can connect, visit us at churchak.org or download our Church on the Rock AK app from either iTunes or Google Play.